there. I'm Tom D'Antoni. OMN's Coffee Shop Conversations has traveled today. Next week, we begin making these at Catfish Lou's in northwest Portland. But today, we're at Music Millennium for our annual conversation with Terry Courier on all things record store and lots of other things. They have their 50th anniversary coming up in March, and Terry has been there almost that long. They have lots of cool things happening to celebrate it, in-store and out, including a special concert at the Aladdin Theater on March 15th. What's he been listening to lately? Let's talk with Terry Courier. Well, here we are again. <laughs> you and me in the basement. <laughs> uh, music Millennium. That's right. I, uh, I was uh, saying you are the only person that we go somewhere else to visit to do these things. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm a pain in the... Ah, <laughs> oh, you're worth it. You're worth it. 50 years. 50 years. Yeah, it's amazing. Music Millennium opened on March 15th in 1969. The original owners were Don McLeod, Lorreen McLeod, Dan Lissy, who was Lorreen's brother, mm-hmm. and his wife, Patty Lissy. But you weren't here then. I was 14 years old at the time. (laughs) I started working in record stores in Portland in 1972, right after my 17th birthday. Wow. Wow. What took you so long? (laughs) Boy, I don't know. You know, I didn't grow up listening to the radio. I was late to the whole music thing, but once I discovered it, um, there was no turning back. So you're going to have big big doings here, huh? Yeah, we're going to have a 50th anniversary event at the Aladdin Theater. Uh-huh. And we're going to highlight three of Portland's bands from the past. Uh, the Crazy Eights, who huh. were really popular in this town in the 80s and 90s. Yeah. Um, Eight-piece ska rock band with <laughs> horns, you know, trombones in your band. Um we're a little out of the ordinary in this town. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll have John Koontz and the Lost Cause. Mm-hmm. John has been a staple of this town since uh, the end of the 70s with his band, Johnny and the Distractions, mm-hmm. and many other bands throughout the year. And uh, he has a new band called John Koontz and the Lost Cause. It's a 10-piece band with wow. two backup singers and three horn players. Jeez. Including Chris Mercer, uh-huh. who played on a bunch of John Mayall records in the the latter sixties. Wow, jeez! And and we have the Dandy Warhols, who are also uh, celebrating an anniversary year. This is the twenty fifth anniversary of the Dandy Warhols. Wow! I believe that? Well, that's hard to believe. Time just whips on in this town when you're having a good time or even if you're not having a good time (laughs) (laughs) it does we just had uh uh uh, marty mendenhall just had zia on as a guest on her cooking show uh, on oregon music news marty's music kitchen that was pretty good pretty good those are fun um and uh are you going to mc have what are you going to mc the show yes i will be there um There'll be a few people coming out of the woodworks from Millennium in the past. Loreen <laughs> uh, McLeod uh, will be coming out, one of the original owners. Uh-huh. Um, 
some people that actually I worked with 46, 47 years ago mm-hmm. at a record store called DJ Sound City yeah. are coming into town for this event. Um, I, it, it's going to be like a, a little reunion of sorts mm-hmm. and uh, a time where people can share some memories, musical memories of Portland for the last 50 years. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. That's good. Good. Any stuff going on in the store around the fiftieth? Uh, we're going to have a number of events all month long. This mm-hmm. may be the first place that I announce it, but on March sixth, mm-hmm. Steve Earle is going to return to Music Millennium for the fifth time in five albums. Wow! He's flying in from New York, just going to play the store. My and God! He's flying out of town. Amazing. Um, that's going to be a pretty special thing. Uh-huh. His new album is called Guy, and it revolves around the songs of Guy Clark, who uh-huh. was one of his mentors and friends. Uh huh. Uh huh. Wow, that's hot. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We feel very fortunate for that. Um, what we're going to have a lot of men store live music events next month. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. We're actually publishing a 50th anniversary coloring book. <laughs> um, a few years ago, one of my customers tried to motivate me to find the time to write a book about Music Millennium for the 50th anniversary. Wow. And I found the coloring book to be <laughs> a more obtainable plateau to reach. <laughs> Uh, well, who drew it? Uh, Haley, who paints all our front window displays. Uh-huh. Um, she's finishing it up right now to go to the printer. Um, it'll have some historical moments uh, from the store. Some of the murals that are on the outside of the building uh-huh. will be uh-huh. in, in, the, in the coloring book. Uh-huh. Did um, she do those? Hmm? Did she do those? No, she didn't, but previous... Uh, artists that we have had uh, did the murals on the uh, east side of the building. Mm-hmm. Two kids that got a grant to do a mural on the, another building uh, came to us because the building had sold and the new owner didn't want a mural on the building. Oh. And they're the ones who did the one on the back. Mm-hmm. All of those are just great pieces of art. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Well, boy, a coloring book. That's, t- that's really you know, good. It, it won't take a lot of your time to get through the book. Um, you know, you're not going to have to carve out a couple weeks to read this book. Um, and you'll have fun while you're doing it. You will have fun. <laughs> you're going to sell uh, crayons? What's that? Are you going to sell crayons? Oh, you know, we we, we should do that. You should you have know? branded Music Millennium crayons. Come on, Terry. We, we could have colors that were a little bit off kilter, you yeah. know, that go back to our roots. We're also going to have um, the Portland great artist, Gary Houston. Uh-huh. We've commissioned him to make a special poster for the 50th anniversary show. Mm-hmm. but also to make a 50th anniversary poster to commemorate the store. 
Oh man, uh, he does amazing work. Oh yeah, and yeah, I've I've seen the sketches for the show posters. Mm-hmm. He's still working on uh, the one for the store, but you know, we kind of go back with old ideas like Zap comic books. Wow, maybe <laughs> being incorporated into the fiftieth anniversary store poster. <laughs> of course. The, the the store must have sold Zap back then. Oh, definitely so. Yeah. I mean, yeah. this was, you know, when Music Millennium opened in 1969, uh-huh. Don McLeod, who was the principal of it all, mm-hmm. he was working for Tektronics. Hmm. And they had this deal that you could take money out of your retirement program <laughs> and invest it in a business if you came to them with a sound business idea. Wow. So... He originally opened the store down where the vinyl room started, um, and it was only 800 square feet, <laughs> and he kept working at Tektronics, but business kept growing and growing and growing, and after about a year and a half, he came over here, and they moved into the east part of the building and got a little more space, uh-huh. and... Uh, um, you know, he had it up till 1979 and really turned this into uh, kind of a one-of-a-kind store in the country. He was one of the first stores in the U.S. to import product into the United States. Huh. In fact, they had a mail-order business called Intergalactic Trading Company <laughs> in the latter 70s huh. that put out a mail-order catalog uh, and sold to customers all over the United States and well of the world. Wow. And oh. then in 79, Don and Lorraine sold the company. And in 84, the middle owners there were going to file bankruptcy. Oh. And Don had financed the sale, and they only owed him two more payments. But when <laughs> they told him that, he kind of got sentimental and goes... Okay, what's it take for me to get this back and make a go at it again? Because he didn't want to see his baby go away. Yeah, yeah. And so he assumed about a half a million dollars in debt, got the building. They had expanded to four store locations at that time. Um, I went to work for them at at that point. We subleased two of the locations out because there was no way that we were going to be able to keep four locations. Where were the other two? I know there was one on 23rd, but where were the other two? Uh, There was one out on about uh, 181st and uh, in the Rockwood area, Uh and there was one in Tigard. They had bought an existing record store in Tigard called Maury's Record Rock. Uh, Great little store. And it would have been great to hold on to that location, too. Yeah. Um, the Rockwood store never did any business. Oh. Um, I went in there it one It would day. now because everybody moved out there. Yeah, <laughs> things have changed. <laughs> Definitely have changed. Huh. Well, okay. Uh, so, um, uh, um, and you, you, you got involved in an ownership when? Um, well, when I came here in 84, we, we actually spent the next three years. We actually were able to pay off the debts in three years. Wow. 
And at that time, Don gave me and the bookkeeper 5% of the business. Huh. And uh, in 89, two years later, I bought another 20% of the company. Uh -huh. um, in 96, Don had been pretty much retired from mm -hmm. the company for the previous four years. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but he got leukemia and passed away. Mm. Uh, had you been running things pretty much up until then? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, he had like a hundred acres up in Amboy, Washington. Wow. He, he, he had, uh, uh, a fish pond. He, <laughs> he planted chestnut trees. Um, he, he was a he was a good environmentalist and uh, uh, he built his own fairy tale cabin up there. <laughs> wow, nice, nice, huh? So, getting back to um, Zap Comics and and record stores, that's where you that's where you bought them usually. That's where people went, or either a record store or a head shop. Um, record stores were community centers. Yeah, and. You know, before the internet and all those things, right. you went down to the record store, you, you talked to the clerks, you, you looked at the publications they had around, right? And those were the those were the ways you found out about upcoming shows, uh, yeah, things that were going on in the in the community, cultural wise, political wise. Uh -huh. um, a lot of people met their friends, their spouses. In, in a record store right um you know they were standing by the wishbone ash section and there was <laughs> another guy standing by the wishbone ash section and they got into conversation the next thing you know one's at one of the other's houses listening to records together right right um yeah that's that's the or way or end up playing playing music together playing music together a lot of bands yeah probably started in a record store too right right and you could always come in and find out what Mr. Natural was up to. <laughs> <laughs> or the or the Furry Freak Brothers. Yeah. You know, <laughs> those were a big part of uh, the whole culture back then. Sure. Um, Fat Freddy's Cat. Yeah. I mean, a lot of record stores, especially on the independent side, were were also head shops sure. at that time. Sure. And, uh, you know, they, you, know you, you go back to... 1969, when this store was open, there was a there was a lot of political issues going on because of the Vietnam War, right? And uh, a, a lot of people, you know, were in the store talking about those kind of issues at the time. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. You know, at that time, it spurred on one of the well, the only taxpayer-sponsored rock festivals ever in the United States, which was the Vortex One Festival huh. out at MacGyver State Park. Uh -huh. And um, you know, Richard Nixon was going to come in to talk to the American Legion at that time. <laughs> and they were already having, although the city was already, you know, up in arms because there was a lot of protesters, student protesters in the street and stuff. And all they were picturing was 20,000 legionnaires and 40,000, 50,000 students downtown clashing together when Richard Nixon came. And a bunch of kids went down to talk to 
Governor Tom McCall uh -huh. in Salem at that time, and he gave him property out of MacGyver to have a three-day rock festival <laughs> while this was going on with the thought that it would divert all these kids out of town. And it did. It worked, huh? It worked. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, that doesn't always, it didn't always uh, work that way. I remember I, I went to the first smoke-in at the Washington Monument in D.C. Oh, my. When I was a dashing young underground newspaper reporter. And um, the, I got there early, and the first thing that happened was some hippie said, Here, take one of these. <laughs> and back then, okay, it was, it was orange, you know, and... <laughs> So, uh, the, the, but the problem was that the other end of the mall, you know, right there at the Washington Monument, was a big rally um, um, with Billy Graham and Bob Hope. Oh my word! They're and the, the whole thing turned the whole thing turned into a giant riot. With wow. People throwing like uh, floodlights into the into the reflecting pool, and for some reason, I don't never have never been able to figure this out. I sort of just sailed through it. I was I was floating and found my car and drove back from D, from DC to Baltimore. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. The amazing things that happened with <laughs> yes. a lot of people back then. Yes. <laughs> Lived to tell. <laughs> Didn't freak out. You know, just like, "Oh, yeah, this is happening." Okay. <laughs> well, Tom McCall out at the the Vortex 1, he gave the kids you know, free reign to do anything they wanted wow. in there as long as it, there was no violence. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. They, they had a few National Guard people on the outside and a few <laughs> police um, in case anything came up or right. there was any emergencies. Yeah. But it all went smooth. <laughs> That's great. That's great. So I, somebody told me that um, uh, that you're selling a tremendous amount of vinyl these days. It's pretty an amazing time right now. Uh -huh. I mean, Music Millennium started with vinyl. Yeah. And here we are 50 years later, and vinyl is starting to become that primary format in the store. That's amazing. Um, are we talking about newly manufactured vinyl or vintage or what? Both. Huh. Um, you know, in 2007... Uh, the three coalitions that were involved with independent music stores around the country got together and started this thing called Record Store Day. Mm -hmm. um, it was to champion a day where there would be some unique vinyl put out on one day that would be collectible, limited edition. Mm -hmm. It was also uh, an opportunity for them to send out press releases around the country to let the media know that there's still record stores out there. Mm -hmm. At that point in time, the media had pretty much wrote enough out there that stated that record stores were going away or were already gone. Right. Uh, if you look on a graph, in 2007, uh, new vinyl sales were probably one quarter of 1%. Uh -huh. There were some independent labels that would make vinyl, but your major record labels weren't really making vinyl. And today, it's probably inching up on 20% of the physical sales in the country is vinyl. 
but in independent record stores, it's probably a bigger number, like 70%. Wow. The sales are vinyl. That's amazing. It is. And, you know, what What? What happened with vinyl is in, in the 2000s, when digital downloading became a format, <laughs> um, the youth marketplace started gravitating towards just digital downloading of music. And they didn't go to record stores at all. And then this little phenomenon came out. Um, and kids started going to garage sales uh-huh. and stuff. And they were finding these records for, you know, a quarter, 50 cents, yeah. a dollar. Yeah. And they were checking them out. And they started listening to the sound quality of these things and comparing it to the MP3s that they were listening to. Right. And going, wow. Wow. These sound great. Yeah. And yeah. they kind of got the little bug. So when all of a sudden vinyl started coming back and they were making new vinyl, a lot of these kids started gravitating towards it as a secondary format. And many of them, they're still listening to digital downloads. They're listening to, you know, uh, Spotify. Right. Um, and, and they're using those kind of platforms as their radio stations almost. Yes. And then the stuff that they really like they're coming down to the record store and picking them up on vinyl. That's great. That's amazing. Are you finding there's one particular genre that's being released, uh, new, having new releases over another? Well, it's, it's, it's also really interesting with the kids because um, many of them are gravitating towards classic rock <laughs> and classic soul. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Our biggest selling piece of vinyl last year in the store was Fleetwood Mac's Rumor. Oh my God. A brand new piece. Wow. <laughs> I mean, we, we sold 109 copies of Fleetwood Mac Rumors last year. That's amazing. Um, hip hop sells really, really good mm-hmm. on vinyl. Um, new hip hop releases come out, may outsell, outsell their CD counterpart, hmm. you know, four or five to one on vinyl. Um, now, is that are they full albums, or, or do they still make they they, they still release twelve inch? Uh, there is a few twelve inches out there, but that it's was that was another time. Full length yeah. vinyl, yeah. you know, with with the vinyl uh, revolution that's going on right now, the two things that never really caught on again uh-huh. were seven inch singles, yeah, and twelve inch singles, and with the, the cost of making vinyl these days Mm -hmm. uh, it just drove up the prices on those you Mm -hmm. know Mm -hmm. seven inch singles are are ranging anywhere from seven dollars to twelve dollars a piece for two songs right and you know you when when you can spend 20 bucks and get the whole album Uh it's, it's a much much better value so album prices are generally around 20 dollars for a new newly recorded yeah quite I would say the bulk of the new releases are yeah. around that. There are uh-huh. some that that go above that, and they're, um, you know, a lot of the cost is in packaging. Yeah. Um, yeah. One of the things that happened in this wave of, of vinyl was most of the records started being manufactured on a 180-gram vinyl. Right. Um, 
that they're much better than the way vinyl was when vinyl went away in the late 80s you know some of those were like uh, 120 gram vinyl very Mm -hmm. thin um and it raises the cost in manufacturing it raises the cost in shipping um to have a 180 gram piece of vinyl in a record jacket you have to have a pretty sturdy record jacket too so it raises the cost on a record jacket yeah um Neil Young wanted his Harvest album to come back out on vinyl, Hmm. um, but he wanted it to have that special feature on it, which was it kind of had an acid wash (laughs) to the cover. In order to get that cover made, the covers alone, the cost of manufacturing those covers were $15 a piece. Wow. And it drove that album up to a price that was in the $40 when they, <laughs> you know, they, they got through making the vinyl, putting it inside and shipping and yeah, all that. Yeah. And, you know, it's a, that's a little crazy and it's, 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 it's out of the, the price range of what people want to pay for vinyl. Right. Right. Only like, only a completely fanatical Neil Young fans would buy that. That's, Totally correct. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, so what have you been listening to? Oh, How, wh- what have I been listening to? Um, uh, the new Ryan Bingham album that's coming out is is really, really exciting. This is an artist I've been following. You know, he, he's put out a half a dozen records. Mm-hmm. Uh, he regularly stops in Portland and plays. Um, this is a really, really solid record. Um, you know, I'm still, still listening to a few things from the end of last year. Mm-hmm. You know, Ural Thomas's record was oh, yeah. one of those things that I just keep putting back. Yep. Uh, on yep. the turntable. I do the same thing on the radio. <laughs> you know, my favorite record last year was from a local artist. Really? It was Laura Beer's Lookout album. Ah, uh-huh. Um, and I mean, I I can't get enough of that record, you know. And when I play it for somebody else, they get the they get the same thing. Uh-huh. Um, she's uh-huh. she's a gem of an artist. Yeah, yeah. I believe that for that brief period of time when uh, we were we were doing a little video here in the store, she was one of the one of the artists that yes. we, that we streamed live. Yes. Yeah. 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 She's terrific. Yeah, I always wanted to have her and Tucker Martin on together. You know, no, that that would that would be great. Tucker yeah. is amazing. I mean, that's one of the beauties of the, her record. Mm-hmm. It's just got incredible sound. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Tucker yeah. really yeah. does a great job with that. Yeah. I, I, and speaking of that, again, just going back for a second to vinyl, um, I, I guess that the audio files were never an enormous <laughs> part of the market. But they're always there for vinyl. They are always there for vinyl. Um, you know, there was record labels like Mobile Fidelity and yeah. Audio Fidelity that that got into audiophile recordings when vinyl was king originally. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And they they made the switch over to CDs. You know, they made gold CDs and stuff. <laughs> um, but... It never really caught on in a big, big way. Right. 
Um, but we carry a really good selection of, of mm-hmm. mobile fidelity vinyl. Yeah. And there's still just a certain percentage of people that are going to yeah. buy it because it does cost a lot more right. money. I, I just don't think people have the ears for that. Uh, I definitely don't anymore. No, I me neither. I, I, I know you have problems. I've, I, I, I blew one of mine out transcribing an Esperanza Spalding interview with earbuds oh. on. <laughs> what are you going to do? The things we do for our music. For, yes. Know? I didn't plan it that way. <laughs> um, so what's what's coming up that you're that you're that, that you're excited about that you've heard that's uh, that's coming up in the next uh, couple of months? Uh, I've heard some of the Steve Earle. Yeah, uh, it sounds really good. Our, our record to watch out for is uh, the new Andrew Bird record, which uh-huh. is going to be coming out at the end of March. I've only heard a few tracks on it, mm-hmm. but they sounded amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. That's a record to check out. That's good. Um, uh, you know, there's, there's, uh, there, there hasn't been a lot of releases so far this year, right? Um, right, right. But I'm sure we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna yeah. start seeing them coming in, yeah. in in March and April. Those are usually mm-hmm. big release. Yeah. Uh, months out of the year. Yeah, that Earl Thomas record is really, really cool. I mean, I, I, I went out and did a. Actually, he, I, I went out and did one with him because he, he, uh, uh, Scotty didn't want to have him come all the way down to the coffee shop, so I actually went out to do him too. But uh, that was fascinating. He's a great guy to talk to. You know, he's going to turn eighty years old this yeah. year. Yeah. Um, yeah. He, he was the, the first artist I tried to get a hold of for our 50th anniversary show uh-huh. and I went to go to his website to see what his tour dates were before I called him he will be playing in Paris on March 15th <laughs> <laughs> good for him good for him that's it's amazing. really great to see his success yeah. Yeah. And if so he's go got a European line... tour hmm? he's got a European tour is, or is yeah it... there's multiple ah, dates over ah, there ah. and if you go see him you would not know he's 79 years old. No. Oh, no. Not he, at he all. He moves around the stage with yeah. the agility yeah. of a 24-year-old kid. Not just the stage. Everywhere. Everywhere. <laughs> yeah. And he has one of the best bands in town. Sure. Sure. Well, it was a match made in heaven when he found when he found Scott McGee. Yeah. 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 Uh, I mean, I see Scott every week because he's DJ Cookie Parker. You know, comes on before my show on KMHD. And um, it's uh, yeah he they it was a great match it was just a great match and they got know? a great booking agent right now uh-huh. which is really helping elevate uh, the opportunities for them uh-huh. to get their music out to uh-huh. a wider area of people yeah that's great that's awesome boy oh who who'd have thought I mean that's the first time I saw I mean I'm sure you you saw you all over the years. But the first time I ever got to see him was on a uh, a New Year's Eve at the radio room oh, over on Alberta. Yes, <laughs> over on Alberta, and I guess it's been ten years ago. But you know, Scott wasn't with him then, and it wasn't really much of a band. But it was terrific to listen to him. You know, I got a call one day. It must have been about fifteen, sixteen years ago. Yeah, and somebody asked me if. if uh, Ural Thomas could play in the store. I go, Ural Thomas is doing dates again? And uh, 
So we had him down at the store, and he he did it as a three piece band. He yeah. had a drummer and a bass player and himself. Right. And it was almost garage rock like yep. in many ways, but you could tell his voice was still as strong as ever. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've watched him from that point develop this band, and Scott McGee was the key in in that whole thing and there's been a few different players come through that band but they've all been just the, the cream of the crop in portland yeah 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 well geez um uh happy birthday happy anniversary well thank happy you, everything Tom. happy everything happy uh happy you um glad to see you again um we always love to do these and uh Always good to talk to you. Yeah, man. Thanks. Okay. Thanks to Auditory Sculpture and Derek Sims for our theme music, as always. 